Today our scripture will be from Acts 5, 17 through 21. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, again, good morning and welcome to the Lake the Campus of Christ Community Church. My name is Nathan. It's really good to, to be here, to be with you. Thank you so much for being a part of this with us today. Whether this is your very first Sunday here uh, or you've been with us from the very beginning, we are so, so grateful uh, that you've chosen to celebrate, to worship here in this space and to wrestle with these claims uh, that we all work through of who Jesus is uh, and who he calls us uh, to be. It is, it is a special Sunday for us. It's, it's a milestone. It's an ordinary Sunday, as Reed said, but there's, there's something unique, right? This for us. Um, and I just want to say again uh, with Reed how grateful we are um, for many of you to, to contribute financially um, as well as just all the, the time and, and work, the expertise. Uh, so thank you so much for allowing this space to be so beautiful uh, for us uh, to worship in here as well. So uh, now what? I mean, we're here, right? It's like... Have we arrived? Is, is, that, is, is this it? Like 11 and a half years of hard work. That's how long we've been here as, as a church. It's finally paid off. We're a big church now. That's the dream, right? Right? Now we just get to sit back and relax. And frankly, go the way of so many churches when they reach a point like this. Of irrelevance. Outliving their usefulness. Is that us? I mean, well, well-meaning churches, right? Churches like us who, who reach a milestone like this begin to turn inward, get a little too comfortable, lazy even, and self-centered. Ha- have we built for ourselves a cruise ship? And don't get me wrong, I love going on a cruise. I mean, because on a cruise, like, you're the center of the universe, right? It's all about you, and there's just pleasure everywhere. I mean, it's just, right? Is that what we built for ourselves? Or an aircraft carrier? The place to come back to, ready for the mission that God has for us in all of life. Have we, have we built for ourselves a country club for decent people to spend a little bit of their leisure time on the weekends? or a hospital, bringing hope and healing to absolutely anyone. What's it going to be? I mean, we have to decide, right? Now and every day after, we have to decide. What is it going to be for us? Are we going to get comfortable? Is, Is this new building going to help us fulfill our mission to love our neighbors? Or is it going to distract us from it? Will we turn inward or will we live outward? Now, of course, we're not the first people to wrestle with this. I mean, even, even the ancient church, the first church at the very beginning, even they dealt with these same kind of questions, very different circumstances than us, certainly. Uh, and, and yet they had the same human wrestlings. Is it self-preservation or self-sacrifice? Will it be God's mission for his world or my personal mission for myself? Turn to Acts chapter 5 if you haven't already. 
Because we've been in Acts uh, for most of the year so far, uh, and it just so happens that today's story, man, the timing could not be better. We see the early church at at a crossroads. Like in very, very different circumstances, but persecution is beginning for them, and they have to decide, what are they going to do? Are they going to keep moving forward, or are they going to, to give up? And the reason, I mean, like if you're a Christian, the reason you and I believe these things today all the way over here is because they didn't give up. Who will believe because of us? And if you're, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, let me just say we're really glad you're here. Maybe you, you haven't been to church in a really, really long time. We're so thankful you're here. We, you're the reason we're here as a church. You're why we built this space. This is a safe place for you to bring your questions, your doubts, your wrestlings. Wrestle along with us. Help, help us with that. We, we need you here. We're so glad that you're here. But regardless of what you believe, I think we can all agree, we all want our lives to count for something more than just ourselves, Right? Regardless of what you believe, right? We we all want to contribute to something good and beautiful in our world. We we want to build something that outlasts us. And here's here's what we see in them, the early church, that we want so badly for us. Only a mission this big produces a community this beautiful. Only a mission this big produces a community this this beautiful. So let me, let me try to tell the story here for us. Acts chapter 5, we heard part of it read uh, a moment ago for us. But let me, let me try to tell the story, uh, and I'll just try to draw out three things along the way um, that I think are relevant for us as we go to this story. So again, Acts chapter 5, and, and I know it's, it's incredible for us to imagine these things actually happening in the real world, right? I mean, it's, it's hard, I, and I, I, I get that. But how else do you explain the birth of the early church, right? That they went in just a few months from a crucified Messiah to thousands of people gathering to worship this Jesus just months after the resurrection. And a couple weeks ago, we saw the religious leaders, and these are the same ones who condemned Jesus to death. They're furious, right? Because they thought, we killed Jesus, it's going to be done. But it's not done. And Peter, he'd already spent a short stint in jail, Peter and John, and they let him go with a, a stern warning, you know, don't ever talk about this again. Like, just stop it, right? No more Jesus. Don't talk about it. Which, of course, you know, they ignore, right? They're not going to do that. Uh, and so this time, with this story in Acts 5, this time they imprison all of the apostles. Again, the same people who condemned and crucified Jesus. And so you got to picture the disciples. They're sitting there in jail, and they have every reason to believe that like tomorrow morning when they get up, this same fate is going to come for them, that they're going to be nailed up to a tree. Same people, right? And they saw it happen before. And so, that, so there they are in jail uh, when an angel shows up. Which I know, it's, it's a little weird, right? But there he is, and I can just imagine like, man, are we glad to see you, right? Because they're just, they're just assuming that they're dead at this point. And, and the angel, I mean, he lets them out of jail and he tells them what to do next. The angel does. Guys, would you just chill out for a while? Like, lay low. Are you kidding me? I mean, this is, we got, all, we, we got time. Just, just get back to your normal life. You know, hide out. You're going to get yourselves killed. 
No. What does he say? Verse 20. He lets them out of jail and says, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. I mean, think about that. In the temple. That's like breaking out of jail to hang out at the police station, right? It's ridiculous. Like, that's what got them into this mess in the first place. You're going to let us out of jail and tell us to go back and do the exact same thing that got us there. But dawn the next morning, where do we find them? At the temple, teaching about Jesus. All the words of this life, the angel says. I love that the angel calls it that, this life. Because by this point, we don't have a name. Like us, us as, as Christians. That doesn't come in until Acts chapter 11. That's the first time we're called Christians. And so everybody, like, they're all wrestling. Like, what do we call these people, right? They're these Jesus-obsessed. Like, what's, what is their message? What, who are they? Like, they don't, they don't have words for it yet. And the angel, I love this. He simply calls it life. Like, that's, that's our name, people. That's, that's who we are because we are built. Everything we are and all that we have and all that we do, it is built on the fact that Jesus came, he died, and he lives. It's life, and he offers to do the same thing for us. And so he calls it life, life given to us even now. And our, our mission is to spread that life everywhere. And it, you, can't, you can't miss it. It's not about us, is it? That, that's, that's the first thing. I just can't, I can't miss from this text, right? This mission is not about us. Because think about this. Like the angel, the angel doesn't release them to make them happy. Oh, guys, I'm so sorry. It's so tough here in jail, right? No, he doesn't, it's, not, it's not about them. He releases them so that they can risk it all again tomorrow. And church, how quickly I forget. Jesus didn't die for me so I could be comfortable. He didn't didn't die for me so that I could live a, a happy, normal life. He died for me so that I could join his mission for the world. That you and I would give ourselves away for our neighborhood, city, and world. Do you remember the book uh, a few, few years back now, The, the Purpose Driven Life? <laughs> Super popular, like way back when, right? Do you remember that? Some of you might. I mean, it seemed like everybody was reading, because everybody wants a purpose, right? Christians, non-Christians, everybody was reading this book because we're all looking for purpose. And I, I mean, I can tell you, I remember almost nothing um, about that book. Uh, no offense uh, to, to Rick Warren. But, but one thing I do remember was how the book started. Like a book on finding purpose and meaning in your life in the first sentence of the book. Do you remember it? It's not about you. It's not about you. Oh, well that changes things, right? Like how often I need that reminder. That's right, it's about God's mission to love and redeem our world. And just imagine... Imagine a church where that was true. Imagine if we, each one of us, walked in here with the constant reminder, it's not about me. Life, it's not about me. Church, it's not about me. My my needs, my desires, like what? Imagine, Imagine how we would love one another 
if we recognize that. How, how we'd reach out to new people. There'd be no strangers, right? How we'd welcome those who are different from us and long for them to be with us. How, how we'd stop obsessing over our own wants to meet the needs and desires of others. I mean, just even ask yourself right here, right now, who can I love today? Who can I encourage? Comfort, serve, how can I give? Imagine a community like that. And then, then imagine, I mean, again, we're playing make-believe here, right? Imagine if then we, we took that from here, this community, and we brought that into every part of our lives. Because the church, I mean, this is not the sum total of the church, right? You and I, if we're Christians, we are the church everywhere we go. Every place in which God has, has sent you, you are the church there. So imagine if that same kind of selfless love was with our friends and our family and the way that we would do our, our work and the, care for our neighbors and interact with, with strangers, or fight for justice and how this life would spread. It'd be beautiful, wouldn't it? Can we be that church? Okay, so they get caught. I mean, of course they get caught. Like, it's kind of ridiculous. But again, picture, picture the scene. So, you know, the high priest, he, picture him waking up. He gets to the, kind of the, their, their courtroom. He assembles, he assembles his court, and he's like, bring us the prisoners, right? My guards come in, like, uh, yeah, about, about them. Um, I mean, I would have loved to have heard their explanation. that The doors are locked. The guards are there. And the prisoners, I, I mean, they were there. And, and they're like trying to explain, because their life, life is on the line here, right? I mean, think about this. Like they could be killed for losing the prisoners. And all of a sudden they're in this conversation like, oh, huh, there they are. Look, I mean, verse 25, look, the men who you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. It's the weirdest jailbreak ever. <laughs> and and they, they bring them into court and instantly they begin questioning them on what the heck they think they're doing. And like, I love how they don't even, like, they don't even ask how they got out of jail. Like, that, that'd be what I would be like. How did you guys do that? Like, Houdini, right? How, how did it happen? No, they're too angry. They're too mad to even ask the most obvious question. And so instead, in verse 28, we read, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. That you here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we saw it. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. And when they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. I mean, you got to believe at this moment, they are already working out a plan to involve the Romans so they can line them up 12 in a row. Peter first. Let's just crucify all of them. I mean, that's, that's where they're at in this, this moment. One 
one Pharisee, this guy named Gamaliel, uh, he, he's known, known by historians as, as one of the great rabbis of this, this time period. And he, he is not pro-Jesus by any stretch. Uh, but he says basically, you know what, guys? Cool your jets. Let's let this play out for a while. Again, he's not, he's not a fan of Jesus, but he's like, why do, why do we have to do this work? And, and he gives them two examples. Like, you remember, you remember the guy, Thutis? Remember him? No? You don't remember him? Huh, interesting. He had 400 followers. Uh, he thought he was somebody. Uh, they killed him, and now nobody remembers that guy. He's gone. He's in the past. What are you worried about? Or, or what, about, what about Judas the Galilean? Remember him? Mm, no, no. Same thing. Kill the leader, and the revolution dies. We killed Jesus. Let's just wait this thing out. If this plan, he says, is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God you will not be able to overthrow them. See, that's how it works. Gamaliel understands death, the threat of death, beatings, jail. If it's purely human, it'll be over and done with in a moment. But if it's of God, I mean, church, here we are. 2,000 years and 6,500 miles later, we keep meeting. We keep believing. And think about this. For the first 300 years of Christianity, under emperors Nero, Domitian, Marcus Aurelius, Decius, Diocletian, Christians were slaughtered. And the church grew. And it kept growing. And even today, an estimated 215 million Christians. Like, let that sink. 215 million believers in Jesus. Millions of our brothers and sisters live in places today, right now, where it is illegal, forbidden, or punished to be a Christian. I mean, look, look at this map. Like, this, that's a whole lot of the world, Right? Those are the places in different, different scales. You can see how, how challenging it is in various places. And yet the church grows and keeps growing. Because here, here's the second thing. I just can't miss from this story. This mission isn't defeated by suffering. This mission isn't defeated by suffering. I mean, death, death always wins, right? It always, it always destroys. And we hate, we hate suffering. And yet from our leader's own death, Jesus, to the persecution of millions, Jesus isn't done loving his world. And not even the thing you and I hate the most, suffering. Not even that can stop it. Yeah, but, okay, we don't, we don't live in those places, though, right? So what does it mean for us? Well, at the very least, we need, to, we need to pray for our family. All across the world who suffer daily. And frankly, frankly, we've got a lot to learn from them. I've got a lot to learn. Like, think about this. They think Jesus is worth that, right? Like, they think Jesus is so good 
so worth following, giving their lives to, that they're willing to suffer for him. We need to gain perspective from them. We have partners in some of these areas that we as a church work with. We actually have a team headed to one of those countries next month. Not because they need our help. Because we need theirs. Like, we need to learn. Like, how do you love Jesus enough to suffer like that? How do you do it? Man, we've got a lot to learn. You know what they, they ask us most often to pray for? Safety, protection. I mean, that's what I'd ask. Like, please. Like, I don't want to be hurt, right? I wouldn't blame them. But no, most of them, they, they ask pray for boldness. That we would continue to speak these words to the people who want to destroy us. Because in them is life. Meanwhile, I mean, it is... It is getting more difficult for us as Christians, right, in our culture. I mean, nothing like they're experiencing, right? Like, let's not be naive. Let's not equate it as the same. It's, it's very different. And yet it's, it's not as, as easy as it once was for many of us. But how do we respond? Anger. Retaliation. Judgment. We make politics our savior and do shameful things to hang on to any shred of power that we can have. Don't we? People, we don't have to be afraid. Suffering cannot stop it. Your death, my death, it's not going to stop it. Tertullian, a Christian leader at the end of the second century, so way, way back when, hounded by persecution, right? He wrote these hauntingly beautiful words that I still strike a chord with me. He said, kill us, torture us, condemn us, grind us to dust. The more we are mown down by you, the more in number we grow. The blood of Christians is the seed of the church. We will not be defeated by suffering. But how we suffer? I mean, whether, whether it's being marginalized or mocked, and yes, that does, that does happen for us, and that's going to happen more, or, or it's just the normal suffering of living in a broken world. But how you and I suffer or how we sacrifice, it shows our neighbors whether or not we actually believe the words that we sing. What kind of church will we be? Okay, so they, they let them go. I mean, kind of, right? Get out, don't ever talk about this again. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a friendly departure. They beat them. Uh, it says, most likely it's their standard 40 lashes minus one. So that's, that's 39 whips, Right? So their, their backs and their chests are cruelly lacerated and bleeding. In verse 41, then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ, the Messiah, is Jesus. They walk out in agony. Well, guys, back to work. Better get to it. And with love and humility, they keep telling others about this life. And they do it with joy. How? <laughs> like, what, what's your secret? Because that, I mean, that's, that's the last thing. And I, I, want it, I want it so badly. This mission, clearly in their lives, it brings joy inexplicable, right? Joy that you just cannot explain. 
I want so badly to be happy, satisfied. I want to live a meaningful life, right? Don't you? So I chase after it. If I do this, if I achieve that, if I buy this, then, then I'll have it, right? And then like, you know, 30 seconds of pleasure and it's like, ah, oh, I need to buy something else, right? Or do something else or achieve something else. It never works. It's never enough. I mean, I, I have everything in the world, essentially. It can be absolutely miserable sometimes. And here they are with nothing, beaten, imprisoned, and eventually they're going to die brutally for these things. And yet they, they have a joy that most of us can only dream about. How is that possible? Well, it goes back to Peter's speech. They saw it. They saw Jesus dead, but then alive. And they knew that they, they could have the same. They saw that, that Jesus is, is one who offers forgiveness. And no matter what they've done, Peter who denied Jesus, and even those there, right, who condemned Jesus, they can be forgiven. No matter what you've done, no matter what shame you've, you carry, it can be It can be forgiven. And that we can, we can be made whole, like the, the, the fragments of our life, the pieces, the messes that we've made and others have made for us, that we can actually be made whole. They saw it. Not an easy life. I mean, that's obvious, right? But be honest, you don't want an easy life, do you? Not really. You want a, you want a meaningful life. A life that can never be taken from you, not even by suffering. And that never ends. Life. So of course they have joy. Of course they can't stop talking about it. Only a mission this big produces a community this beautiful. Will we be a church like that? (sighs) Okay. But what am I supposed to do about it? Because, I mean, I'm just being honest here. Because I make life mostly about me most of the time, Right? I'll do just about anything I possibly can to avoid suffering. Um, and this kind of joy just feels always like one, one grasp further than I can reach. What are we supposed to do about it? Well, on a day like today, when everything's changed, right? You had to find new seats, new parking spot, you know, check your kids into probably new classrooms, find out where the donut holes and the coffee are. I mean, everybody's new here today, right? We're all brand new at this church. And so today was so much change. Let's make just one more change. Take one step closer. That's all. It's not that hard, right? Maybe just even a baby step. For some of of you, uh, that might mean just like considering Jesus. Like just for a moment. Could, have you just dismissed him your whole life? Like there's no way this is true. Or have you actually looked into why we continue to do this, why we continue to gather, why we continue to sing, why we continue to believe? Have you, have you taken it seriously? For others of you, maybe, maybe you've done that. Maybe it's just finding a place to press in more deeply into, into community or finding a place to, to serve or engage in, in different ways to here or outside these walls, right? Maybe it's inviting somebody to church or inviting somebody over to your house for, for dinner, building into to each other's lives to be on this mission. But for all, all of us, though, at the very least, I think it means taking one step closer together. Because I've shared this, my, 
One of my big fears in this change for us uh, is the inevitable drift that can happen. Like it's just so easy. It's easier to be anonymous, right? To isolate, to fragment. That's the way we drift. Nobody drifts closer together, right? We always drift out. And so let's, let's take one step closer together. Commit to being here regularly, to getting to know some people, actually being a family. A family. Committed to this life. Don't you want that? Because Gamaliel was right. Hey, you know, guys, we've seen this all before. It always fails. He's right. How many religions have come and gone in the last 2,000 years? How many, how many philosophers or life philosophies, how many, how many movements or political agendas just have come and gone? Or, or even just the things in our own, our own culture. I mean, don't you wonder sometimes what it is today that you and I are so passionate about culturally that we, we are so committed to that like our grandkids are just going to laugh at us for, Right? Because we do that, right? What are, the, what are the things that your grandparents or great-grandparents, they believe, man, they were so committed to these things. They were like, oh, grandma, right? Like, our grandkids are going to say the same about it. What are those things? Everything fades. Nobody, nobody takes these guys, nobody talks about these guys anymore. Even Gamaliel, like one of the great rabbis. I mean, he was a big deal, but we remember him now because of his connection to our story. Everything fades, and yet here stands Jesus. And Jesus had told Peter, I will build my church. Peter didn't get to see it. Not really. I mean, he saw a glimpse, right? But Peter is soon to die in agony for these things. And yet you and I today, we are living proof that Jesus meant what he said. Here we are. Look what God has done. And we see today what, what Peter couldn't have even imagined. And the reason that we've built this building and the reason that we're growing, and not just, not just here, but uh, across all of our campuses in Kansas City, and not just, not just Christ's community, right? God's church everywhere that it's found. The reason it's growing is that it keeps happening. Life. This life. It can happen here. It can happen to you. Don't you want that? Can we be that church? Let's pray. Father, we need your spirit to empower us, to convict us, God, to challenge us. God, I pray that you would show me the ways in which my faith can be so shallow. God, I pray that together as a community, on a, on a day that is so fun to celebrate, God, I pray that in the midst of our joy and our laughter and our celebration, that we would all together take one step closer to you, to each other, and to the mission that you have called your people to. Do that work in us, we pray. Amen. What a joy it is to, to gather together, to be here in this space. And as we said, this is, it is a special day, but, it, but in a sense, it is it is no more special than the precedent that, that causes us to gather in this place week after week, namely the, the defeat of death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
And so, yes, we want to celebrate. We want to remember this day as a milestone, but, but let, it not be, uh, let, it not, let it be in the shadow of the cross and the, the glory of the empty tomb that secures for us salvation in Christ Jesus and the promise that death is defeated. That is why we gather in this place. That is why we sing to the King. And so it is a joy to be here with you and to celebrate and to be together. And it is our prayer, as we've said before, that this place would not be a monument to Christ's community, but truly would be a gift given to us by God, a tool to be stewarded for the opportunity for more and more people to find life in the death of Christ Jesus, to find a hope that cannot be found anywhere else in this world. That is our prayer for this place. That is our prayer for not just this building, but for these people, that we all would be the hands and feet of Jesus, sent out into the places God has called us to represent our risen King. And it is in that vein that we want to to celebrate as we prepare for for Holy Week. Palm Sunday is next Sunday, which leads to uh, Good Friday and Easter. Uh, and as we've shared, if you didn't grab one of the, the flyers on the way, I would encourage you to grab one and be thinking of, of friends and family members, classmates, coworkers, neighbors that you could invite to join us uh, for our, our Good Friday service, for Easter celebration. But, but maybe, you know, maybe bringing someone to church is a little bit too intimidating. Uh, so maybe kind of a, a baby step uh, would be inviting them to our open house celebration. Uh, so next Sunday, uh, from 3 to 5, we're having a big party for our neighborhood. And so we, we sent out a bunch of these mailers to a lot of our neighbors, inviting them to come and celebrate. And so it's really like the, there's no bait and switch, like, come for the inflatables and hot dogs, and then I'm going to preach the gospel for an hour and a half. So it's not, it's not that. But we would encourage you to be thinking, who are friends and family members, neighbors and classmates we can invite to this celebration? Uh, so be thinking of that for next Sunday. Uh, as well as for our Good Friday and Easter services. So again, it's a joy to be with you this morning, um, and I, I invite you to stand for our benediction as we leave this place from being the church gathered to the church scattered. And I thought it'd be appropriate for our benediction to be the prayer of St. Patrick uh, as we leave this place, representing Christ Jesus and the places he has called us. So brothers and sisters, hear these words. May Christ be with us. May Christ be before us. May Christ be behind us and Christ in us. May Christ be beneath us and Christ above us. May Christ be on our right and Christ be on our left. May Christ be with me when I lie down and when I sit down. May Christ be in the heart of everyone who thinks of me. May Christ be in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me. May Christ be in the eye of everyone that sees me. And may Christ be in the ear of everyone who hears me. We leave today through the mighty strength of the Lord of creation. Amen. Go in peace. Have a great week.